Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 3 of Revelation chapter 15, and we're looking at verse 2. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. In our last study, we looked at the sea of glass as it's mingled with fire, and we saw that it related to the molten sea that was in the temple in which the priests were to wash before going about and performing their priestly duties. It it was um, a ceremonial law that God instituted in order to teach the necessity for a priest to be cleansed before performing priestly duties. And spiritually, that pointed to when God would save one of his elect and um, make that person uh, a messenger of of God and uh, uh, would also make that person a spiritual priest uh, of a royal priesthood. And, And then within that individual's life, for instance, there would be an offering up of himself. Each child of God would take up his cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ and sacrifice himself or herself. And in so doing, as we give up our life, we are uh, fulfilling the role spiritually of a priest, just as the Lord himself uh, when he offered up himself, was performing a high priestly function. And and, and so um, God used the molten sea to represent the cleansing that, that pointed to the washing away of sin in salvation. And that's what this sea of glass mingled with fire that is the fire of the wrath of God that that was put to Christ for the sins of his people in order to purify them and make them holy is representing it's it's really a picture indicating that uh, all those that we'll see are standing upon the sea of glass have become saved and had their sins washed away and therefore they are cleansed and uh, now qualified and equipped spiritually to perform the priestly duty that God would have them to do. And it goes on here to say in verse 2 of Revelation 15, And them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name. So this is speaking of those 
that got the victory over the beast. And notice that it mentions four things over the beast, over the image, over his mark, and over the number of his name. And that's because it is teaching a universal principle or it is teaching that all of God's elect throughout the entire world, all the, the great multitude that uh, we'll see this can only be referring to that came out of great tribulation in the north and the south and the east and the west, uh, all across the face of the earth, they have all gotten the victory. It's a victory over Satan. The name of beast is a name that God assigned to Satan specifically for the the 23-year Great Tribulation period. Whenever we see the name beast, we can know, well, the Lord is um, making some mention or having um, some discussion concerning the Great Tribulation. It has something to do with that Great Tribulation period. Satan is the devil. He is the serpent. He's the dragon. Um, he's Satan. But the beast is the name exclusively, uh, we could say, that has to do with the Great Tribulation period. And therefore, when God says that he, um, as he's giving this vision to the Apostle John, that um, those that that were upon the Sea of Glass um, had gotten the victory over the beast and image and mark and number of his name, that can only apply to true believers that live during the Great Tribulation. Now, why do we have to say that? Well, because, let's ask the question, the first fruits unto God, the 144,000 that we read about earlier in Revelation 14, did they get the victory over the beast and over his image as the image of the beast um, really became the churches and congregations of the world that have been given over to Satan and took upon themselves the likeness of Satan. That And what is Satan like? He is a liar and the father of it. And so the churches in uh, developing false doctrine and false gospels and saying that they had salvation when there was none. They were putting forth lie after lie after lie and took upon themselves the image of the beast, not the image of God, which would be along the lines of truth, but the image of the beast. And... uh, that was not the case. It was not the situation throughout the church age. Yes, there were uh, individual churches or maybe a whole denomination from time to time that would go astray and would fall away from the truth and would become a synagogue of Satan. God refers to that in, in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. But Still, the the church as a whole had some faithful churches. The Spirit of Christ was there. God counted them faithful. And 
And, and so the image of the beast was not set up until the end of the church age and the, the time when the Holy Spirit came out of the midst and Satan was loosed and entered in as the man of sin and took his seat in the temple, the corporate body, showing himself that he is God and desired to receive worship as God. And now the beast was there. The image of the beast was in place. And the other things that God says about the the uh, mark and the number of his name, which we, we discussed in previous chapters, the mark of the beast indicates ownership as it identifies with the mind and the will of the unsaved who are given over to Satan. And the number of his name, 666, which, if written as a fraction, is two-thirds. Um, it's pointing to the unsaved of mankind and and God typically typified the true believers as one-third and then they the one-third became identified with the church itself and uh, then eventually when God brought judgment on the third part uh, it it was due to that identification with the place where true believers were found and yet the true believers were not the ones under the judgment of God it was the corporate body but 666 or two-thirds has to do with all the unsaved it's just a figure to represent all of the unsaved and and these ones that are standing on a sea of glass got the victory over the beast over satan's rule that he had been given by God for that 23-year period. And the only way to do that would be to go through the Great Tribulation and come out the other side, that is, to to endure the entire 23 years and enter into the time period of those days after the Tribulation, because at that point, Satan fell. Babylon fell. Satan was deposed and put down. His rule officially within the churches and the world came to an end and the Lord Jesus Christ began to rule over all that was Satan's, albeit ruling with a rod of iron because it's a rule of judgment. It's a rule in which he is pouring out the wrath of God. But it is at that point, immediately after the tribulation, that the saints of God got the victory over the beast. And the victory was the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ that caused the elect to endure and, and to remain faithful and, and so forth. And, and this is the victory that God is referring to and and over all that was given to Satan the churches the people of God got the victory because God called his people out of the congregations to a place of safety and and then when again the great tribulation came to a close everyone remaining in the church was bundled as tares for the burning 
and as soon as judgment began on the world, it was as though the the whole bundle of tares that that uh, consisted of all the unsaved and all the churches of the world, um, it, it's a tremendous number of people, was cast into the spiritual fire of Judgment Day, and yet not one of God's elect was among that number. Not a single one, because God made sure he brought them all out and separated the wheat from the tares, and again, they got the victory over the image of the beast as as uh, the thing that Satan was desperately trying to do was to harm and injure and destroy God's elect. If only he could destroy one of them. And yet he failed. He was not able to do any spiritual damage to any one of those chosen before the foundation of the world, each and every one was safe and secure in the safe chamber of God's salvation, and and they would remain there spiritually throughout the entire day of judgment. But the victory, the overcoming, was accomplished. The victory was won, and and th- this is a, a glorious, triumphant statement that the Lord is making, and uh, we we haven't talked about it much uh, recently, but it's good for us to remember that May 21, 2011 was not a day of defeat. It was not a day in which the child of God should hang his head. It was a glorious day of triumph over Satan, over his forces over the enemies of God. It, it was a day in in which God finally completed his salvation program by saving everyone whose name was written in the Lamb's book of life. It was a day of great salvation, of the utmost salvation to save everyone whom the Lord had uh, predestinated to be saved, it, it is uh, a wonderful victory. It, it was what the battle was all about. It was why the gospel had been sent into the world to find those same lost sheep. And now they were all found. Now they were all safe in Christ. And, and so God here is um reminding us that that this is not uh, a defeat and and that's one of the main reasons that um, people who have the mistaken idea that the two witnesses were killed on May 21 they have it all backwards they they think because they felt a little down they think because um the the world was mocking and that that it was a great day of defeat. Well, haven't those people taken a look at the cross? Remember when the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross and was crucified and the disciples went away sad and sorrowful, the, the two on the road to Emmaus? That, that's what Jesus said to them. Why are you so 
Uh, this is an exact quote, but why are you so downcast? Why are you sorrowful? And and they said, are you a newcomer? Do you not know what has taken place? That Jesus was crucified, and we had thought that he would be the one to uh, to be the the Christ, and and then Jesus had to set them straight. You see, the true believers were in error. They misunderstood what had happened right before their very eyes when Christ went to the cross. They thought, apparently, that it was a defeat. They thought that their hope uh, of the Messiah, and of the kingdom of God, was ended. And, And was it a defeat? Was it the conclusion of all things? What Was it a great discouragement that Christ went to the cross? No way. It, it was absolutely necessary. It was all part of the uh, predetermined plan of God. It was, it was by the will of God that Christ went to the cross. And yet for a short time... The, the people of God were confused. They didn't know why that had happened. And, and then God began to open up their understanding and reveal to them the real truth of what had happened. And then they began to see, well, the cross was not a defeat. And, and we, of course, see it today. Even today, we look back at Christ nailed to the cross as a source of tremendous strength and and triumph as the greatest of victories for the kingdom of God and but it wasn't understood immediately was it and likewise people have the same misconception the same uh wrong idea about what happened on May 21 2011 Oh, the world mocked. Well, the world mocked when Christ was on the cross also. There was tremendous mocking taking place. And and the world's mocking, or the church mocking, just as Israel mocked Christ on the cross, means nothing. It's an indicator of nothing. It proves nothing. People who think that we were defeated on May 21, 2011 are about as wrong as anybody could be wrong, and it's why they don't understand. They keep getting it wrong concerning the timeline that we're in since that day. And and they don't understand that we're to publish these things and proclaim these things and prophesy once again because, oh, we're, we're to be quiet. We were defeated. And, and no, no way. God is setting it straight here in Revelation 15 too. There was a victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name. Now where in all of that can we find that, that Satan killed the two witnesses? That he overcame the, two, the true believers? No, Satan overcame the saints during the Great Tribulation. At the beginning of the Great Tribulation, the two witnesses were killed and lying dead in the street. 
because that was given to him to overcome. Remember, that's what it said in uh, Revelation 13, uh, speaking of the beast. It says in verse 4, And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months, or the duration of the great tribulation. And then in verse 7, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And that's the same word. That's in Revelation 15. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations and so forth. There is the beast who who uh, uh, comes out of the bottomless pit and kills the two witnesses. It's at the beginning of the Great Tribulation because that's God's plan to raise up Satan as a destroying instrument to bring destruction upon the churches. But at the end of the Great Tribulation, well, then the tables are turned. And as Satan overcame, he is now overcome. It's very similar to what we read of Babylon. Babylon was conquering Judah, conquering Judah, and and winning uh, left and right. And then, though, comes the end of the 70 years, and Babylon falls. And the king of Babylon is the one that is overcome. And it, it is very similar. That's what God is teaching us. And, and so we have a real cause of thanksgiving. We have a genuine reason to praise God and to lift up our voices, exalting His name, because He has done a wonderful work. He has done the wonderful thing of saving all of His people, of winning finally that battle that raged over millennium and through centuries over the souls of men as he ransacked the kingdom of Satan to free the captives and and to make them free indeed with salvation. And now all of those that were God's people that he had elected to salvation have been freed. And and God is no longer uh, making forays and and sending forth his word to seek and to find and to deliver the lost souls because they've all been delivered. It, it is as though the gates of Egypt open up and all Israel, none of the Jews remain behind. Every last Israelite came out. That is the glorious thing that took place on May 21, 2011. It is a day of uh, to be much remembered as God spoke of Egypt when he delivered the Israelites. Now, if that was a day to be much remembered, and that was a physical deliverance, how much more ought the, the day of 
final spiritual deliverance of all the captives of all God's elect be remembered and and be held high as a day in which God gets the glory. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.